0: Nope, I'm using my young eyes tonight. We have all that extra stuff in our Bibles, extra biblical material. Yours is probably just the Bible. Maps, oh, maps are good. I was looking at maps this week. In fact, chapter 14 is worthy to have a map to look at, so let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for the truth of of your word and how your gospel went forth uh, unto the Gentiles, and we... Open up our hearts now uh, to receive the Word of God, asking for your Holy Spirit to teach us all things and cause the Word in our lives to to grow by grace and knowledge uh, that we might be more in love with you, Jesus, more committed to you, more on fire for you than when we came tonight, and we'd leave here different. In this we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Acts chapter 14, as we come out of 13. Paul is still traveling. Uh, 13 and 14 is the entirety of what most people call Paul's first missionary journey. But who, who knew what a missionary journey was? That that that's no such thing when he's doing it, because there had not been anybody that went out the way Paul did before he went out and did what he did concerning the Holy Spirit calling, him, separating him and Barnabas for the work that the Spirit had called him to do, and by way of remembrance. They laid hands on them, they prayed, they fasted. Having heard the Holy Spirit to to send them out, the church lays hands on them, prays for them, and the church sends them out. Now, who sent them out? Well, the Holy Spirit did. But don't you love it when church listens to and agrees with the Spirit of God? And that's really when we study the book of Acts. We come to chapter 14. As Paul has gone out, he's faced opposition. I, uh, again, I've never taught Acts 13 in detail like I did this time around, and I was intrigued to find out all this working of truth as he preached the gospel. When I listened to Pastor Chuck Smith go through the Bible, and I, I listened to him teach the Bible, and yes, I too speed him up to double speed because you're all wondering, you know, you get to these pauses like, how does a guy talk so slowly? And maybe you wonder why I talk so fast, but what I'm amazed at is how much he says with so few words. And and this working of the Holy Spirit in the word of God, that when we listen to what's going on, I draw your attention to Acts 14. It happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and the Greeks, believed. They believed the word of God concerning Jesus Christ. We, we're not... Now needing to repeat chapter 13, we know Paul is speaking about about Jesus Christ, about how how one can receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life and believe the gospel. But we're introduced into this idea now that those that believed the word of God, those that believed the gospel, and, and and it's already being established that right, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's being established. It's being established that one is saved by grace through faith. Now, we're going to tackle that next week when we get to chapter 15. And chapter 15 should be your favorite chapter in the Bible as a Gentile. Because that's what kept you from needing to become a Jew to be saved. Chapter 15. You would have had to, right, you would have had to, again, follow the covenant of the circumcision. Uh, You would have to, that's usually where everybody stops, no bacon. Right, No shellfish, and you go right through the list of all the things that that really then that uh, it's my favorite chapter, but it also establishes what does a Gentile believer have an assurance concerning faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it comes down to this, and what we now have, we have the Word of the Lord. Now, I draw your attention here as he comes out of Antioch into Iconium and and they left Antioch because they were persecuted. But what it is is that there were those who believed the word of God, but the unbelieving Jews in verse two stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. When this gospel is going forth with power, it brings division. Yeah, this is not anything else other than Paul's coming forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, was which is the promise of eternal life. And why is it bringing division? Well, because it requires two steps. First step is to repent. Don't ever forget that part concerning repentance toward God, concerning who is Jesus Christ. Why, why would a Jew need to, need to believe upon Jesus Christ to be saved? Well, Paul goes out and preaches the same gospel to Jew and Gentile. And this is why I love the teaching of the book of Romans, because he lays it out and in laying it forth in that way concerning there is no difference between Jew and Gentile the difference can okay? now this this is where we get this is where we get this understanding and there really are no now in the world only two types of people there are those that are believing and there are those who are unbelieving and it's a whole different division now in the world and as this goes forth into Iconium, those that believe the gospel, right, they receive eternal life, filled with joy, filled with the Holy Ghost. Look back at 1352, the verse right before 14, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, it, there's, there's a bit of a examination upon the modern church concerning this. and it's, So people who study this, they start to, well, can one be a believer without being a disciple? and we start like dividing things that were never to be divided in fact what happens when they believe upon Jesus Christ the whole thing of the commands of Christ and and what what one who believed upon Jesus Christ and and when they were born of him they received the word they repented of what they thought about Jesus unto what was being presented in the gospel of Jesus Christ then they're born from above, the Spirit comes and lives within. And that's the beginning of making a disciple. So believers are disciples. This is the part. Unbelievers, look what the unbelievers are doing. Same thing that they do today. The unbelievers are poisoning the minds of the brethren. The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles. So the unbelieving Jews who who rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah, right? Now, used to be two groups, Jew and Gentile, as far as God was working in the world. Now, when the when Israel rejects Jesus Christ in in Matthew chapter twelve, and they attribute the working of the power of Jesus Christ unto the fulfilling of these of these messianic miracles, that's what they are. That that He would open the eyes of the blind and that He would open up the ears of the deaf. They attribute that power, led by the Pharisees, unto the working of Beelzebub. And that's where Jesus gives answers. So if Satan's dividing against himself, his kingdom's not going to stand. He, he clearly describes that that's not what this is. And in attributing that power unto Satan, that's where Israel chose as a nation to reject their Messiah. Now, no surprise now when Paul goes out with the gospel of Jesus Christ and now freely speaking to Jew and Gentile, same gospel. Don't believe anybody who comes along and says to you, right, because they're lying to you that the New Testament is divided, parts for Jewish believers and parts for Gentile believers. And there have been those who have been actually, shipwrecked in their faith concerning someone who comes and and they even misquote the scripture rightly dividing the word of truth they say and I'm here to let you know the only two classes of people going forward is got it believing unbelieving that's why when we talk about believing and it's not an obscure thing faith is not obscure faith is tangible how do you know you're believing well, you're believing upon Jesus Christ if you've taken those two steps concerning his gospel you've repented of your sins and you've received his forgiveness for your sin. It's an amazing, simple understanding that even even a child three, four or five years old can receive Jesus Christ and be saved and, and and this is it's it's not a you know and and just when I think about that the being told you're something you know, that you believe this. How many times do parents tell their children what they believe? We believe this. Or how many times do churches say, this is what the church believes? And I and I start talking with believers. Again, I, I think they're believers because I ask them and then I just start I just go right to fellowshipping. I don't go to where do you go to church? I don't look them up and down spiritually. Right, I don't. I don't ask those questions. I if they say that they have, you know, that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I just begin to fellowship with them. But I, I very well, tell me your testimony. When did you get saved? And uh, if I get that blank stare, well, I, I guess I always have been saved. I'm like, then I start to share Christ with them in a different way. See, what we find going forth in this concerning the Word of God. Now, when I talk about this in this way, the poisoning of their minds, don't think the intellect, don't think that they're poisoning their minds over what they think. The word there is suke, which is the prefix to where we get our English word psychology. It's the soul. It's the life. Three times in all the New Testament, the translators put it to mind. What's happening here as the believers receive Jesus Christ, this is supernatural. This is born again. This Something happens when you believe upon Jesus Christ, right? And, and this is the part that the Bible calls that regeneration. Paul tells Titus, when you go forth into Crete, and he describes in that believing upon Jesus Christ, by the mercy of God, there is a washing and... And a renewing and a regeneration by the Holy Ghost. That's tangible. That's, that's a work of salvation that comes from God by placing faith in the blood of Jesus. Wasn't chapter 13 fun to study that out? Faith in the blood of Jesus. and We, we look at this in this way. They're poisoning their souls. Uh, I think the, the King James, uh, uh, something about evil. What's, what's the King James read in that verse instead of poisoning, evil affected. evil affected against the apostles. So poisoning their lives. And think, think of what that really means as, as the gospel comes forth with truth, that they're not poisoning their minds with thoughts and, and, and things when one understands that they're poisoning their soul now i i get this so what's paul and barnabas what do they do notice they are clearly understood here as, as this goes forth uh that that they're apostles right that that'll come forth here in chapter excuse me verse four what do they do what do the apostles do therefore they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the lord who was bearing witness to the word of his grace now, this is what I love about what, why we studied Acts 13 the way we did. Saved by grace through faith, Paul tells the church later on in Ephesus. Talks, is about, talks to them about the riches of his grace. But when he's going forth in the Spirit, and, and you, you need to understand why I say this is not the, the first missionary journey, because nobody went forth and preached the gospel that way to the Gentiles unto their hearing to be saved. Now, the door was opened with Peter, Right? We saw this happen in Antioch, but now as he goes forth, Paul is preaching the gospel we studied in chapter 13. And when that takes place, he's now describing it as as they, they're they saved. So in one of the things that he's addressing, those that are trying to poison their souls, poison their lives, right, trying to evil affect what they are as now as believers. Unbelievers do that so they stayed there a long time and they're speaking boldly in the lord bearing witness to the word of his grace and then look what god does and this is all grace-based granting signs and wonders to be done i think you know i guess the real question comes up where is that today and that to me and i love i love pastor chuck's statement upon that he says god hasn't changed He said, you read what went forth, Paul went forth, the word of his grace. I don't know if we understand how clearly it was when they're speaking boldly in the Lord and and bearing witness to the word of his grace. God simply is addressing for all those believing, for all the believers in Jesus Christ, and they're seeing this mighty working power of God. So why aren't there many works today? Well, it's not that God has changed, but it's people who have changed concerning even even believing in the mighty working power of God. That's why we don't see that anymore today. But the multitude of the city was divided. Remember what I said? What's, the, what's now the lines of division? Believers versus unbelievers. Well, you'd think in Cass County, and um, where Fargo get out towards Kindred, you would think that, that the real division years ago, roll back 30, 40 years, the real division was Lutheran versus Catholic. Because they divided the townships, and if you're Catholic, you can't—you got to sell your your land to a Catholic, and if you're Lutheran, you got to sell your land to a Lutheran. I got a kick out of listening to the guy talk, and I don't remember which side he was on, but I—all I'm trying to do is, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? I don't—I don't care what your loyalty is, and I, I again, one of the coworkers I would witness to when I worked at Ford in the parts department as the warehouse bending down, putting parts away, stretching up, pulling parts off the shelf, one of the guys there. He, I would say, I'd ask him a couple questions. Well, I'm Catholic. I said, well, can't Catholics be saved? And that confounded him. You know, just, and these are the things that when we go forth, the city was divided. Now in this, as the city was divided along these lines, it's divided this. Believers are those who hear the word of God, right? And place their trust in Jesus Christ who died for them. That's the believers, now, I think we'll be surprised when we get to heaven who the believers are. Again, if you, if you would measure by what you think you know here on earth or who are believers and unbelievers. And I love what my father-in-law used to say to my wife because she was very interested to know, Dad, are you a believer? She would ask him many times as the door would open up and he would usually have some answer that, that was not straightforward. But then he'd say things like, oh, you'll be surprised. He says, you'll be surprised one day when you get to heaven. You know, there's something like a phrase that, that there, there was more there than he ever would let on concerning what he truly believed and had received concerning Jesus Christ, concerning the word of God. And, and this is where this is. Again, let's do this because this is fun for me. Look back at 1343 where they persuaded them to continue in the grace of God in Antioch. Look down in 46, Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Again, speaking of the gospel to the Jews. Then look at 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord going forth. And I think I love 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Now, what do we really do in church? What's the real desire? We, we I, If you haven't figured this out, we spend a lot of time when we're together studying the Word of God. The idea is to receive the Word into our hearts, that that Word of God would be in us. And then when we leave here, when we walk out those doors, that our lives are affected by again I'll say continuing in the Word of His grace, if you come to church and the Word of God means nothing right and you 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 gain nothing in the grace and knowledge of of either teaching or receiving the Word, or again you you read this and and maybe your experience when I talk about signs and wonders you in your heart and your mind you're saying, well they, they don't happen anymore, that stopped, and you you have some idea or whatever it might be. Maybe maybe it's regeneration that I've never seen that. I mean, imagine growing up in church and never seeing anybody receive the gospel, never hearing the gospel preached the way you read in Scripture. And this is my point. What we learn from history is it's the word of the Lord that went forth. What is Paul speaking about? He's speaking about Jesus Christ. Now, God is bearing witness to the grace that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ, and these signs and wonders are happening encouraging, you know, unbelievers are poisoning their souls what's what's Jesus doing by his spirit? He's bringing signs and wonders. Miracles are happening. So in that division a violent attempt was made to stone by both the Gentiles and the Jews. So again, the line is no longer Jew versus Gentile, is it? As much as I would talk to, what was that guy's name we bought the elevator from out in Cask. I, I can see him visit, visibly, but I don't remember his name. He would just sit and talk about this like he was the historian of the local area. And he would talk about the great division between Lutheran and Catholic. Here's the division. Jews and Gentiles, unbelieving Jews and Gentiles are gathered together to bring an end, and they want to abuse and stone Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas become aware of it, and they flee. They fled, verse 6. That's the instructions of our Lord. These were his instructions. Now you're saying, yes, the Lord sent people out. Remember when he first sent out his, his 12? He sent them out with nothing. Very first time, he wanted to show them that that he had gone before them, and there was provision. And as a servant, God would provide for them a place to stay, food to eat, and they were to go forth and preach the gospel. They were to extend peace, and if they and if they receive peace, stay there, preach the gospel. If they do not receive your gospel, what are they to do? Take off your your naots, your your tiva sandals that they now make in Israel, and shake the dust off. Your feet. So as they're being persecuted, that division, they flee, and and look where they flee. They flee forward. Okay, I'm I'm not going to say too much about that, but let the Holy Spirit work that out in your lives. The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous do not back down. What they continue to go forward. Do you understand? And we'll get to this when Paul talks about it was the Holy Spirit who kept him from going where he wanted to go because the Holy Spirit wanted him to go another direction. How many of us have that problem in our lives? I want to go serve over here, and the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you over there. A lot of times as a pastor, I'm just I'm trying to get people to the place of doing those things that they already know to do. Encourage them, exhorting them. Some of you think it's a cattle prod. Why does he keep poking at me? Right? Sometimes an admonishment comes that way, doesn't it? But we need that as believers to continue in the word of his grace. Many times we come along in the beginning with Paul, as they're preaching the gospel, they go forward to Lystra Derbe, cities of Lyconia. So they leave the area of Galatia. We're going to look at Galatians next week with chapter 15. So just again, telling you what they're leaving Galatia. See those maps come in handy now, Kathy? Right? So where they're at, they, they that that little point where Galatia comes down, and Iconium, and now, if you actually look at it, Paul is pointing right towards his hometown of Tarsus. You ever look on the map? He is actually headed towards where he grew up, and the Lycaonian uh, there. You start to get farther out here, and literally at this time in the Roman Empire, it's like the Wild West. The farther you get away from civilization, the less Roman rule has an effect on the way people live their lives and they preached the gospel there. They were preaching the gospel there. In Lystra a certain man never walked before, without strength in his in his feet was sitting. Now I love this when we studied in chapter 3 and I remember this study just looking at this man who was lame, it works the same way with born blind and born deaf. Those nerves are never connected to the brain because they're not used. So then they reroute. This man has never walked crippled from his mother's womb. He hears Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Now, I don't know what's happening, but I'll tell you what, when I'm up here and, and I'm sharing things in the word of God, I have people, you should see what this is like sometimes up here. You have people in la-la land. You have people picking their nose. You have people doing all kinds of things. That's that one side. But then there's times where I got people just like, they're just like sitting like they're not listening. The next thing you know, they're on the edge of their seat. They've never heard the word of God like that before. And and you watch this take place. Paul, in looking at him, and, and he sees that this man has faith to be healed. Now, the only way, I mean, how do you look at somebody and they have faith to be healed. I, I believe this is the, the gifts of the Spirit at work. Maybe a word of knowledge. Again, you think of it, you think of it, it should be that naturally supernatural. When you look at someone and you know something you did not know about them and he knows that he has faith to be healed and it comes through his eyesight, well, I believe that's a gift of the Spirit at work. Wonderful to see this. as we're We're watching an example here of how the word of his grace, God's granting signs and wonders, and we get the details on one of them. This man, he sees him has faith to be healed. So what does he do? Paul said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. If you don't catch this, I mean, he didn't go over and whisper in the guy's ear. Hey man, I think think you got faith to be healed. Hey, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you to be healed, but if you don't get healed don't don't be surprised you see you see the difference right yeah. you see the difference glad you do because this is that again and if you see it i believe this gift of word of knowledge gift of faith because paul the moment he says that he has taken his stand upon faith he in believing what the Lord had showed him about this man and he goes right there with all boldness and stands up and says get up and get up and walk i love what the lord did with the man with a withered hand stretch forth your hand he he can't do that but this is the way the lord is just that when god gives you a command to do something there's no i can't do it is there because, and this is the working of the of the Spirit of God. This man gets up and walks. The, those muscles, those nerves, they've never been strengthened. They've never been used. And he stands up and he walked. He leaped and walked. Gift of faith. And now what are we talking about? Gift of miracles. You you talk about what's the difference between gifts of healing and gift of miracles. This is an example of a gift of miracles. Right? You, you you don't know anything about this guy we we don't know if he needs to be healed but again here it describes him being faith to be healed so many times gifts of miracles can work together with the the gift of healing but it doesn't have to have a healing with it now when the people saw what Paul had done they raised their voices and they they begin to speak in their native tongue the Lyconian language and they cry out, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. All they're looking at is they see what happened. And all they can think about is all their traditions that they hold in that city. Well, it turns out that there's a temple to Zeus, or maybe your version says Jupiter. Same God. One's the Greek name. The other is the Jupiter name. And and the the, the priest of the temple the temple was in front of their city. The the priest of Zeus brings oxen and garland with the intent, he brings it to the city gates intending to sacrifice with the multitudes unto Paul and Barnabas. Now, what you may not know about history is that they had a belief that many of the troubles that they were having in their city, because again, they're worshiping Zeus. If you know anything about the Greek gods, they're they're really capricious. I mean, in that regard to, do they like people? Do they not like people? Are they good or not good? And, and in that regard, there was a belief that Zeus had come down to visit the people of this city and they missed it. So if anything goes on now, supernatural, the group there is like the gods have come down and and that's documented as you study this out. So they actually think that Paul Uh, They call him Zeus. They call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. Hermes is, again, is that the Greek god? I think I always think of him as the messenger. So in their culture, can you catch now? This is the first time we're finding out the gospel and then the miracle working power of God is in direct conflict and opposition to to the worship of the culture. Very valuable for missionaries who go out later on. Especially if there's a supernatural sign done. And in this record, they begin to call men gods. What do they do? Well, when the, the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, okay, who sent them out? Holy Spirit sent them out. So they're apostles. Now, by the way, that's what apostle means they're sent out. So the apostles Paul and Barnabas. Right. They go amongst the people and they, they when they heard this, they tore their clothes, ran in among the multitude crying out and saying, man, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same same as you, same nature as you. And we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all things that are in them. I, I talk about the, the testimony of Uh, Well, really, Papua New Guinea is one of those places where had been untouched by missionaries until about the 60s and 70s. So it's some modern stuff you can read about those that went forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ to Papua New Guinea. What they found there is that the people in, in the tribes of Papua New Guinea, like many other places, they're worshiping their ancestors. So they spend a lot of their time, right? As they're sharing the gospel, they spend a lot of their effort getting them to turn from these useless things that they worship. They would prepare meals and put them in the trees. They would take a dream catcher and hang it in their windows. Oh, wait, that's that's local, isn't it? See, do you know it's the same thing? It's all designed to ward off evil spirits. And then we even worship in our culture once a year. In this national holiday called Halloween, with the exact same practice of wearing a mask to ward off the scary evil spirits. That's the background of all this stuff. And so what we what we see in the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth unto the convincing of them: turn from these useless things. Those aren't gods. Stop worshiping and serving these false gods. Stop worshiping your ancestors. Don't put food in the tree. Okay? This is, get that dream catcher out of your window. You, you see where this is? And this is the answer and the power of, these are useless things. Turn to the living God. Who's the living God? The one who made you. And this is where the gospel now takes effect into all places of the world. I probably shared with you before, but we had an Indian, not not a Native American Indian, but Indian from India couple who were, had moved to Fargo and they were in church because their, their child had autism and they met one of our families whose child had autism and they started to share. And they like, said, how did you work with him? They were so intrigued because this, this child actually obeyed and they couldn't get their daughter to listen to them for anything. And then they came by and they started listening to Bible studies, started teaching through the Bible. And I found out what his language was. And I bought him a Bible in his native language. I showed him, I showed him that, that this is the Word of God. And and they invited us over to their house to eat with them. And so they invited, So we go. And so my whole intent is, I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. They're inviting us over. We're eating with our fingers, chicken and rice. Again, if you keep eating and you finish your plate, you get more food. Being the good little, uh, you know, raised according to my culture, you clean your plate. I ate a lot that night until I figured out, stop eating. But after supper then, we began to talk with them about, have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? You've been in America some time now. Have you ever heard the good news of Jesus? How the Son of God died on the cross. And this, and then I got to explain that to them. And, and then they showed me, they took me to their corner cabinet where they opened up their doors. And they, I kid you not, top to bottom in this cabinet, just like you saw in the movies, all their little household gods in there, a little shrine to their key god that they were worshiping, and it's just like, and and they were equi- you know, making an equivalent with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, being just one of the millions of gods that we can worship. And so I'm pleading with them to turn from these useless things. These aren't really gods. Jesus, you can save you. These gods can't. Say, and again, this is what we learn. Now, as they go forth, pleading with them, and again, I'll, I'll pick it up in 16, well, 15, that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. So you hear now the gospel for all the nations. This is a wonderful thing taking place in 14. The gospel is going forth to all people groups, and what they're encountering, the gospel for all peoples, Well, sometimes where are you starting with the gospel? You're trying to connect the person you're talking with unto what they see around them all the time. And that's what takes place. Now, when I talk about Papua New Guinea, and again, you'll see the effect here. Bygone generations, uh, nations were allowed to walk their own way. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. You remember Elijah with the showdown between the the prophets of Baal versus him? It was over one issue. Who is God? If Yahweh is God, worship and serve him. Pray to him. If Baal be God, then pray to him. That was the effect of three and a half years of praying and no reigning. Just to bring the people back to decide who they should. Who can really answer your prayers? And what does Elijah show that day? Baal can't answer a prayer. You can have so many people praying. But he put on display that the living God hears, answers, miracle from heaven. Now when God does things like this, concerning that, they barely kept them from sacrificing to them. They were going to offer and worship Paul and Barnabas. Jews from Antioch show up, great timing in verse 19. Great timing for the enemy. Antioch and Iconium. Remember, remember that. In Iconium, the unbelievers were poisoning the souls of the believers, and they they made an, a violent a violent attempt to kill Paul. They show up at Lystra, in all that chaos, if you can call it that, in all that in all that euphoria of this miracle that happened unto the drop of. The men who did this—they're not gods. Let's kill them. And they did, they take uh, Paul out of the city. They persuaded the multitudes. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, along comes Paul in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and he says, "I know a man, fourteen years ago, caught up to the third heaven. Whether he was alive or dead, I do not know. Whether it was in whether he was in his body or out of his body, I don't know." But he saw things there unspeakable. The the glory was so great that he could not speak of the things that he saw there. Well, who do you think Paul's talking about? I think he's talking about himself. But in that regard, he never would take that experience of what happened. And I believe it happened here. I believe that when he was stoned, maybe lost consciousness, and the Lord took him to the third heaven. What's the first heaven? Well, that's the sky and air we breathe. What's the second heaven? That's where all the planets and, and things, universe exists. What's the third heaven? Well, that's beyond that in which where God dwells. And I believe that's, this is when it took place. So when Paul writes about that later on, you get, you get the framework of what he went through supposing him to be dead. Again, I like this because the Bible never answers it. Paul never says, I was dead. I was not dead. He says, I don't know. Is he talking about himself or not about himself? He's not going to let us know. He says, I know a guy. One of my friends would would talk about, he he had a big scar on his neck. And he would talk about this man who, who, who cut him from ear to ear. And immediately we all start thinking, no way, man. You were mugged and somebody slit your throat and you lived? Well, it turns out the man who cut his throat was a doctor. See, we imagine things, right? See, this is that place as Paul is stone, drag him out to be dead, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up, went into the city, and the next day departed with Barnabas to Derby. Again, I'll say it, I'll repeat it. Is he going backward? forward Lystra Derby you know what's after Derby Tarsus now he never goes to Tarsus he goes he goes from Antioch to Iconium Iconium to Lystra and that's where he is stoned again dead or not dead we don't know and then he gets up again goes back into the city next day he's on his way to Derby and at Derby what does he do there 21 when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples they returned to lystra iconium and antioch now who's the most famous disciple that we know from that region of lystra and derby timothy and this is where we believe timothy is one of those many disciples that are made <clears throat> strengthening the soul so what do they do they return to lystra now would you in your right mind go back to the city where they where they stoned you yes Right? That's the only real right mind. See, and this is what I put on display. Is Paul afraid? Now, I love when he writes it. And again, this is this is the theme of the New Testament. Do not fear what man can do to you. What did our Lord teach us? Do not fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who after he destroys the body has the power to send the soul to hell. This is that place where Paul, He he's now walking through this they go back now the way they came strengthening the souls. I love this because before you had the unbelievers poisoning the souls. Now what's Paul doing? strengthening the souls. This is this is not this is not your intellect. This is not you know this is not checklist. They're going back strengthening the souls of the of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, Lystra, we don't know of many people getting saved there, right? We know he gets stoned there. We know know this miracle happens there. Now, what happened in Papua New Guinea, again, I'm referencing a specific tribe that one of my friends would repeat, go back there year by year. And he had committed to two weeks every year of teaching in the Bible college that a church he had gone to had established years ago. And the church kept sending him there as one of the men who would go and teach Bible classes. And then they started a pastor's training school, and they were giving them the Word of God. Now, he's the one who handed me this book about this neighbor, uh, about this tribe. And it wasn't until they gave him a written language, right? Remember that everybody, the practice of putting food in the trees, the practice of putting food in the trees, they never made any progress in that until... They got the Bible and specifically the Gospel of Mark into the language of the people, which they gave them the language and they taught them how to read it. And when the word of God went forth, remember this word of God spreading throughout the region. When the word went forth, that's when people were saved in that tribe in Papua New Guinea. No matter how much they, they sought to convince them to stop the practice. Listen, your ancestors are not Doing this. These are evil spirits, no matter how much they told people. But when they received the Word of God, they were born of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit sorts out all these things. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know how you look at that. Here's how I look at it. That's believable when the guy that is telling you is showing you the scars of the tribulation he just suffered when they tried to kill him for for preaching Jesus. My my pastor used an analogy of the the one cat, right, that, that survived on the farm from all the sickness, all the disease, and and even survived from from the the birds, you know, coming down the the predator, birds of prey coming to take the other cats and snatch them away. The one cat that made it was was all scarred up. He had been in all kinds of fights, but he made it through. And and that's the sense here of the tribulation that Paul went through, and that's what he's describing. Through many tribulations, you're going to be attacked. This is the faith. Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. People are going to hate you. People are going to despise you. People are going to harm you if they can. So when they had appointed elders in every city, in every church, excuse me, with and prayed with fasting. They commanded them, excuse me, commended them to the Lord. You think I haven't read before? Let's start over. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them in the Lord, in whom they had believed. Turns out I can't think and read at the same time. You need to see this. What are they doing in strengthening the church? Same thing. Paul leaves Titus in Crete to do. And Timothy in Ephesus. And what does he say? They both were instructed to raise up elders in the church. And what type of man is given in description in Titus and 1 Timothy? This is the type of man. This is what Paul is doing. Timothy might have even seen this if he made it to any of those places with Paul. They were appointing elders in every church. Laying hands on, praying for him, commending him to the word of his grace, commending them to the the work that has to be done. Praying and fasting, seeking the Lord in prayer, putting elders in place. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So back to that, that's the division. The believers are in Christ. The believers are the church. The believers are then the body of Christ. From there, let's see, after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. So they're just tracking all the way back they came. They preached the word in Perga, went down to Atalia, and from there they sailed back to Antioch. They sailed to Antioch from when they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now there's a novel idea. To finish the work that you've been given to do. Now, how do I look at this? Paul and Barnabas, apostles sent out, Holy Spirit sent them out. They they returned, you know, whatever you want to call this, first missionary journey. Okay, we, it, we we can freely exchange with more people along those terms. But it's simply this. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit to do this work. They completed the work. They almost died. They strengthened the church. They appointed elders. The church is established. And they get back and they... Have completed it, and, and they're like, "This is the grace of God at work. This is grace of God," and that's how they describe it. And when they had gathered the church together, they reported all that had been done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. I mean, let's face it, you're hearing, and then they, then they, you, this guy was healed, and then they're gonna, they're gonna worship you as gods, and then they kill you, I mean, that type of stuff. And like, by the grace of God, this is what happened, and and now there's churches there. Believers, door opened of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Now a sneak preview of next week. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So we're going to tackle that next week. Background information, you want to read more about it? Read the book of Galatians. You're already, I think, assigned that here for 14. And so those of you diligent to to do that or like, hey, I've been reading that. I, I read it. okay. Just because if I assigned it and I don't read it, then what do I have to say to you? Right? So may this bless you to see the word of the Lord going forth. What does the church really need to be about doing today? Preach to unbelievers. Teach believers. Right? and that's that's the this, this straight up of it. So Lord we thank you for Acts 14. Thank you for the joy and the grace that you have given us in Christ Jesus to be saved. And we're asking and praying tonight that you would stir us up to go forth with the word of the Lord in our personal lives that we would start talking with others about you Lord Jesus more than we do that we would proclaim your name, the work you've done, we would we would convince people to turn from their useless idols that they worship in the modern world to serve the living God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord bless you. We'll be back uh, next week. Same time, same, same. what is it? Same bat time, same bat channel. That That's for you, Tally. I know you would appreciate that. Um, so Acts 15, we're going to try to do a chapter a week pace. Book of Galatians is for all your background reading. I might just pick a few verses out of there that accentuate that. But may the Lord bless you this week as you walk forth. Uh, And again, encourage you declare the name of Jesus Christ. People ask you, how was the weekend? All right, did you do anything great this weekend? Yes, learned all about Jesus Christ on Sunday. Just try that, change that up a bit, and maybe people will they'll they'll maybe stop asking you about your weekend, just so they can tell you about their weekend. I don't know. Got any great plans? I love it. Some of the marketing in the stores now they want they want like my bank that I go to. The tellers ask, hey, have anything planned for the weekend? So I say, yes, I do. On Sunday. And I just, on Sunday, we're going to worship the living God and we're going to study the Word of God. I can't wait. It's going to be great. And they look at me like, have a nice day, sir. So I enjoy that part. So God bless you.